Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. We're back. We're back and we have topics. Two of them. And we will be discussing them in a full extent. But, Matt, you know what I've been doing recently? What's that? I've been watching the Olympics. Ah, so have I. I didn't realize how much went into ski slalom, ice skating. I've become an expert on the downhill, I feel. I think. I don't know. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, I still don't understand it. They, like, weave back and forward. Sometimes there's gates. Sometimes there's poles. Well, it's, maybe you're not an expert, but you're definitely an enthusiast. I am an enthusiast because the Olympics come often only every every four years, every two years for the Olympics, every four years for their respective season. But who wants to host the Olympics these days? The Olympics are expensive. The price has gone up so much that people haven't been, well, not people, but cities have not been putting in bids to host these games. And it's a little upsetting because maybe the Olympics will go away in the near future. But let's discuss this a little deeper. So the winter and summer games have been going on for a long time. But recently in the past 20 years, they've been going over budget by large, large margins. The Sochi Olympics, the last winter Olympics before Pyeongchang, they went over by five times the budget. Their budget was originally $10 billion and the final cost came out to $51 billion. Holy schmoly. Okay, so that definitely turns off many, many countries from hosting their very own Olympics. And that's just the most extreme example. Beijing also, in 2008, also had a very high uh, very high budget that got superseded by the eventual end cost. So why do these things cost so much? Well, because you realize it's more than just the stadiums. You need the Olympic Village to host all the athletes. You need the media village to host all the media, transportation to get people to and from, then even more important lanes for the more important people. And then in the end, you need stadiums as well, ceremonial stadiums. Like if you think of the Winter Olympics, they have a ceremony stadium that is just meant for opening and closing ceremony. And that may be a billion to $2 billion stadium just for a 30-minute show. Imagine making a movie theater just for one showing, and then it sits there and rots away. That's and a, the movie costs you millions to make. Exactly. Yeah, that's depressing, you know, thinking about that. So you'd think, well, yeah, these things cost a lot, but maybe the cities are getting something back, you know? They host the Olympics, people come in, tourism, a boost. I mean, they're showing all their stuff. They're hosting the Olympics. You think you pay your host. So actually, recently what's been going on is the money made off of the TV rights have been going to the committee more and more after each year. Like back in 1992, the Olympic Committee only took 4% of the Olympics' revenue, which is not that much. But if we go to the Rio Olympics, the Olympic Committee took 70% of the money that was made via the Olympics. That means that the cities, Rio lost, only got 30% of the total like revenue that was made via the Olympics. That's less than half. So it makes you start to think, 
well, what can be done? Are now, we looking at budget-friendly operations? Maybe We might be looking for a more budget-friendly, more sustainable, more interesting approach. Also, sponsorships? Is that coming into play? Free goods? I mean, it still costs money down the line somewhere, but are we getting donations, maybe, to represent a country? There might, but what's going on right now is, so stadium. these stadiums are built, and these stadiums are overpriced. They normally never get used again. The Rio swimming pool for the Summer Olympics is already in shambles. And it's hard to maintain these buildings that are never used. Why maintain a ceremony stadium if the ceremony happens once? So, in most of these times, these are made in giant, wealthy cities, like with high property value. So, these are taking up land, valuable land, and they're just rotting away. So, it's also affecting the Winter Olympics, because the Winter Olympics, what do you think of the Winter Olympics? You got your skiing, you got your snowboarding, all these half pipes, all these trails, all these creations that are on these hills. You have to strip down forests, take away wildlife habitats, just for, in a sense, a ski resort. Now, I can see that being used a little bit more than an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the middle of Rio, but come on, it's still a waste. Yeah, that's a shame that they just sit and, and kind of rot away. You think that if they built such an incredible stadium, that would be like a national landmark, you know, like, oh, here was the Olympics. And thinking about reusing it in the future, right? I mean, that's always an option. You would wish it was more like the World's Fair, where things like from the World's Fair, the one I always think of is the Eiffel Tower, the Atomium in Belgium. These things are still landmarks. They're known pieces of the skyline of the landscapes of these countries but the nest at beijing i mean you remember it but it's not a common tourist attraction right now because nothing happens there now why can't this be a one and done kind of design like that eiffel tower because the eiffel tower is doesn't have any other purpose but for tourism yeah the beijing stadiums the rio stadiums stuff in sochi and vancouver these are not something that tourists go to the tourists don't go to the olympic bobsleds the olympic bobsled track to just go look at it true people it's not, it's it's, not something you would it's do, an yeah. event it's a place that you go to to compete so now you're thinking who wants to host the olympics after all this and bids so what happens is people bid they put like here is our offer. You know, Amazon recently, they were doing the big competition with different cities putting up their design proposals. Well, actually, Chicago tried to win the 2020, no, the 2016 uh, Olympic position to host, and that cost them $100 million to put a bid forward, to put a whole campaign, and they lost. And that's like putting, well, that is, is putting a hundreds of millions of, $100 million into hopefully getting a position. That's not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. The cost has gone up so high for a bid that people just don't want to anymore. And for the Winter Olympics in 2022, there's only two bids. And uh, the two bids were, let me think, let me think, let me think. I believe it was uh, China again and uh, Kazakhstan are the two going for it. Wow. So you it makes you think, well, with all this stuff going on, maybe the Olympics, maybe the, it's time for them to die off. But that's sad. And the creator, Sir Mr. Thomas over there, um, he 
is he's a good businessman and you know it is a business but it's also a culture thing it's something that always brought the world together you think of the olympics in germany after world war one where hitler created actually fun fact the rally of the torch was created in that olympics to unify all the warring countries and kind of really kind of show the conflict kind of everybody coming together from for doing this race of the torch to greece from greece to the games and since it was like so much it continued over the years so we carry a torch around for the olympics because of nazis cool <laughs> and war and death yeah jeez okay fun fact well bringing us together because of war and death so maybe it's not that bad now what they're trying to do is they're trying to make these games more affordable more f- feasible more uh sustainable so that countries are actually encouraged to put bids forward and but we won't see these anytime soon because it takes 10 years for a proposal you have to do it 10 years in advance so what are we going to see in the next couple years well our next summer games are in japan 2020 the 2024 games will be held in paris and the 2028 games la whoa los angeles here we go, U.S. I feel like I have to get. I'd love to go to the Paris one or L.A. I think I might. Why not? Why not? Right. We'll be at the Olympics. We'll, we'll be just finishing school then. You now, know? what's interesting is the next Winter Olympics games are in 2022, and those will be in Beijing, which is mm, interesting because Beijing also hosted a Summer's Games less than 10 years ago. So they're one of the main components. They're going for it every year, kind of. Yeah, they did. Does that mean they have the resources and and expendable money? Well, they to do go toward it. Is that what that means? But also, if you think they kind of have the infrastructure already, but that also brings me up to twenty twenty six, which no one has confirmed a bid yet. But the cities going up are, uh, there's ten cities, but one of the notable ones is Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City for the Winter Games, they already have an Olympic complex. They host the games. They keep it up to date. That's where all our athletes train and athletes from around the world go and train at salt lake city like i said that's what it should be used for it should be reused as a facility that's not then they're not wasting that all that money that went into that so there's another idea what if instead of doing a country every single year what if we just have it in one place what if we kept it in la that's the example i saw it just built an amazing complex that was capable of being maintained and it was state-of-the-art they have the infrastructure, they have the media all there, and they already have the facilities because they've hosted a games before. So uh, leaving in a place like that, or Beijing, who's hosting another summer games and trying for another winter games, you would think maybe they should just be a permanent host. Now there is a lot of nationality when it comes to the Olympics, so that's why people stay away from it. But for the cost, it might be the move for the future. But hey, I mean, those are just the current plans. But, you know, things change. And what do you have that might change my mind about the world? How it might change your world, might change your perspective on some things. So today, we're going to we're going to talk about the male and female brain. The the male and female brain. Yes. Are they do boys have small brains? Well, that's what some might think. Boys and go, isn't it boys good to uh, Jupiter to get more stupider or something? That's the rhyme. That's that's, that's the what they used to yell chant? at me back when back when I was on the school bus in the back elementary in the day. days. But you know what? There are actual differences in the brains, and that has to do with a lot of hormonal differences. But we're keep in mind we're both humans, 
So it's a, it's a human brain. So like, oh, well, we both have human brains. Well, there's some differences. Uh, I was totally inspired by watching Brain Games on Nat Geo. You ever seen that show? I've seen an episode or two, but I haven't watched it extensively. It's a good show. You should take, you should take a watch. Work out your brain. So ever wonder why men and women are so different and handle diff- situations so differently? Uh, why why one might why might there be one that handles situations with more pa- patience when the other can be hasty with decision making? You can I, guess which one's a little more hasty. I, I'm guessing the men is more hasty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, there are many differences between the male and female brain. Uh, now, we always assume gender roles, but in today's modern world, we really can't do that. Um, this is something that we need to look at, and we need to look at the science. And this also brings in the topic of, of nurture versus nature. Right. Nature versus nurture, nurture versus nature. And that's that's a whole topic of its own. So the first topic I'm going to start with is, is color. So who do you think sees color? color better just a general term better i don't know i feel like women are better at things so i'm <laughs> just gonna add go everything that yeah. I, I agree women's brains automatically pick up on colors better than men so that means certain shades can appear easier to pick out of a similar <laughs> color is that why they have so many terms for their colors instead of just red blue and green it's yes exactly maroon, burgundy do you get that often also <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, that shirt is that shirt is purple. We're like, no, 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 no. It's, it's more, more of a of magenta, a, yeah. yeah, indigo. I get that a lot. Actually. Yeah, I, I get that. But now, hey, there's a scientific reason for it. Well, women pick up better on the red-orange color spectrum, so automatically. So that's what I was telling you about sunsets. Do women see sunsets more vividly, better than than us men? I huh. sure hope not, because I really like sunsets. I'd feel pretty bummed out. But I'm, I think I I'm think we're missing the full out. Picture, yeah, we might be missing out. And it's also hard. I mean, we can't really imitate what they see like, you know, what women see like and how men see. And we can't really put them side by side. It's just you have to look at the statistics of, sh- of showing which women can pick up on colors and relative to other colors compared to men. So one theory involves women historically collecting berries and fruits. So this is kind of the, the nurture versus nature and the evolution of things. Um, women... In, in the ancient days picked berries and they knew they were they're ready to be eaten when they turned bright red that's just a kind of far off observation i don't know how i feel about that well that's like the hunter gatherer they were gathering exactly the men it takes were hunting. You all, the way all right i see that so eight percent of all men are colorblind whereas only 0.4 percent of women are colorblind that's a big difference that's a very big that's difference. a pretty la- wa- wide margin right and there. and like you said we can see that every day you know do you are you considered colorblind at all no i can see all colors so can i and yeah that's what we say i don't i don't know if uh, i know people who <laughs> are colorblind though well men, not men fully, or, men not or women all men yeah okay yeah well, it's something to do with the um chromosomes i think that it's a there's X and Y for men, and I think it's on the Y or one of the that X. picks up better yeah. on colors. That is the one that has the gene that makes you not see colors. Okay, so that has to do with genealogy and passing it on via gene pool generations. But the vibrancy—that's all brain because your eyes send signal to the brain. And like I said, uh, this relates back to our last episode on perceiving color. Right. You have all those receptors on the back of your eye. All the rods and cones. Exactly. Exactly. You did your you did your listening. I paid attention. <laughs> okay, so next topic, we're going to spatial reasoning. Do you know what spatial reasoning is? Like understanding how large a space is around you? It, yes, that, that it involves that. And also mentally fitting shapes together. 
can oh, okay. kind of without moving things can you orient shapes in space who's better at that well take a guess i don't want to <laughs> go ahead because i don't want to be wrong well okay i'll tell you it's it's men oh they really? generally have a better sense of positioning in space for for cardinal directions meaning northeast southwest we can pick up directions at we i'm speaking as a i'm a male well you, i'm a i'm a dude you're a dude yeah. so we we're both flawed the same ways is that what we're saying yeah we're <laughs> we're flawed <laughs> um anyway the spatial reasoning so picture you have like certain blocks and you need to fit it in the shapes when you're in preschool you know yeah men can their brain the way they work they can f- do it in their head before actually doing it now i'm not saying women can't do that it just statistically it's, it shows that men can do it quicker than women uh, they can see more colors. We can put our blocks in faster. Look at that. So compared to women, men tend to feel like they know where they are oriented in space all the time, even if they're wrong. So that's why they might be a little, you know, They don't want to ask directions. Yes, exactly. They, they know where they are, directions. don't want to look up a map. That stubbornness comes out of that that self-confidence, that false self-confidence, because they're typically they feel like we, they, males feel like they know where they are even if they don't they feel like they can reorient themselves which is false a lot of the time i've been proven many times that i'm going the wrong way i know i, I went I the am. wrong way today and i thought i was going the right way <laughs> yeah and it's hard to admit you know okay next up directions just picking up directions say like turn right here turn left there go straight there i'm assuming that it's going to be the men as well because of their spatial awareness well it has to do with patience more than anything and following instructions right and that's something that who might you women are better at yes (laughs) i'm not trying to prove a point here this is this is just the fact this is just science this is just science so i'm not saying either gender can't do something it's just the women will tend to read through instructions before the male will read through instructions and that has to do with the next topic of competitiveness and you can guess who is a little bit more competitive men are very men And that, when a challenge is presented, it will boost testosterone in the brain, which is obviously a a male quality, um, in a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is in the back lower part of your brain. That's where the irrational drive to win comes from. And you can can picture that through sports, you know, like do anything to win, competitiveness. It's a a guy thing. Yeah. But women women also have an amygdala in the back of their head, in their brain. Um, But instead of testosterone, it's uh, estrogen an estrogen reaction back there. So obviously one has more of a, not violent sense of reaction, but a a irrational drive. Next up we have memory and recognition. There are more estrogen receptors in the part of the brain called the hippocampus. And do you know what the hippocampus does? Uh, I did. It's on the front, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's in there. It's, It's in there. I'll tell you. I can't tell you exactly where it is. I know the frontal lobe is in the front. Uh, the hippocampus has to do with memory. Right, yeah. yeah. See, I forgot that. But I guess my <laughs> hippocampus. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> That's, okay. So it's the long, uh, elongated ridges on the floor of each lateral ventricle of the brain, thought to be the center of emotion, memory, and the autonomous nerves, nervous system. So women, because they have more estrogen receptors, are going to have better memories or quicker recalling of features when they see something so that's why they can recognize faces a little bit better or memorize faces look at that now all of these have been tested through 
pretty simple tests just in relation to speed. Like I said, both genders can do everything because we're both humans, but some are at an advantage. And that brings up the question of nurture versus nature and and how you feel about that. I don't know. It's just been a hot topic for years. So now that we've talked about Olympic sports and the male and female brain, let's bring it all together and let's think, why aren't there co-ed sports in the Olympics? Why not? Well, it also comes down to not only the mind, but also the body. Yes, the physical aspects. Male and females have different bodies. Men generally have more muscle mass, which then when it comes to strength sports, they can overperform a woman. Now, what's interesting, though, is to bring it back to the Olympics, there are some co-ed sports. I was just going to say, let's acknowledge which sports there are. So we have uh, couples figure skating. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a male and a female dancing on the ice. Phenomenal performances, I must say myself. Oh, it's so good. But, by the way, the Canadians a couple nights ago, fantastic performance. They're they're golds in my heart. (laughs) Okay, come on, support your country, <laughs> Yeah, Thomas. yeah, yeah. Oh, the Americans were good too, but I don't know. Something about those Canadians. Uh, so they also have couples curling. Ah. So Is it all called couples? It's not called couples. It's called du- duos or pairs. Okay. Because most <laughs> of the people aren't couples. Yeah, they don't have to be couples. Now, those are the winter sports. In the summer, there's not really any... Yeah, we're and we're not seeing any major sports with with co-ed. It's all separated, and it's been like that for years. Until now, Japan 2020 will have a mixed four four by four hundred relay. I was just gonna say the running is the place that we're probably gonna see it start, right? Yes, is starting there. There is going to be a mixed four by four hundred relay. So that's four. That's one lap around the track of four different runners, and that will be a mixed sport. And we're also going to see a mixed 4 by 100 swimming relay coming in Japan in 2020. So the Olympics are going to be forefronts for some co-ed sports. And I'm excited. I'm excited too. Adding adding a mix of gender to make sports, it, it not only makes it more competitive in the sense women are pushing their limits to be more, I don't want to say more popular than men because they have their own respective sides and challenges but you know what it puts them not against each other but it just puts that concept of of the best a human body can be well it's also going to support more equality in a sense that some sports don't need to be just male or female i think we'll also see ping pong coming to the near future co-ed as well maybe cycling as well i don't know about that yet but also some of the more trick-based sports of skateboarding is coming to Japan as well. I don't think s- snowboarding and skiing, though, will ever be co-ed. But no. it might at some point. But there's so much more that if you look at the Olympics right now, you'll notice that most races are within hundreds of a second. And just because of different genders and body types that can have such a large effect that some people with a different body type may never beat someone out with another type but ping pong swimming most genders all swim fast look at diving diving is a jumping and coordination sport as well gymnastics will be separated i think for a while because that is pure strength of the body the women have always done different events than the men in gymnastics when it comes to gymnastics yeah. no so there's, yeah there's specific different events there's no male ribbon done. dancing who knew 
I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be. Why not? Right? Exactly. But also, you may think uh, synchronized swimming. You don't need an all-girls team, or just any sport. Those type of sports are the ones that we sh- will be seeing co-ed, and I think that's good. I think it's moving in the right direction. I wouldn't say, in the sake of fairness, we should have all sports co-ed. Clearly, some are definitely more. Like you shouldn't do uh, weightlifting as a co-ed sport. I feel. No, that's just uh, <laughs> science limits certain people. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. And I think it it's gonna make things much more interesting. I want to see women beating men, typically setting the records and everything. Seeing that just adds a whole new dynamic to it. I think it will be an exciting turn of events, and it's the the body, the mind, and the Olympics will all come together and will all create a better brighter future equality in this world equality the way it should be right yeah look at us preaching equality to the listeners of the two top podcast but hey guys i hope you like that that little we're trying to work on bringing all our topics to one place relation in the at the end it's it's important it's important i mean a full circle of understanding we can always talk about the random things but as long as we bring them together you know you feel like you learned something more so I hope you learn you learned a thing or two in or this three. episode or three. But hey, we'll see you guys next week for another two topics. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.